Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Oh, hi. We're going to talk to Tara Dublin here in just a second. But first, here's the best way to listen to the Bob Seska Show without any commercial interruptions like the thing I'm reading right now. You can just go to our Patreon page at bobseskashow.com, scroll down to the link for the ultimate edition of the podcast, and sign up for just $15 per month. In exchange for your super generous support, we're going to give you a completely commercial-free version of the Tuesday show, the Wednesday show, the Thursday show, and you're going to get the Shadow Docket show every Tuesday and Thursday. But wait, there's more. You're also going to get the Friday After Party podcast with me and Kimberly included in that level of support all for just $15 per month. It's everything we have to offer on the Patreon page. Again, that's bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash bobseskashow. And now let the cartoons begin. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Bob. 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 The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, January 10, 2024, and this is the Bob Seska Interview on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 1085 of the Biden-Harris administration, 300 days until the 24th presidential election. You can find me on threads and Instagram at the Bob Seska, Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go, and our Patreon page is bobseskashow.com. So it's Tara Dublin Day again on the show. You might know Tara from her regular appearances on House Sparks Mega Worldwide or from her popular novel called The Sound of Settling. You can pick up a copy at taradublinrocks.com. I got a link in the description for that or her many appearances on this podcast. So today, Tara and I talked about our mutual friend, Ches Pazienza, and how we're still coping with losing him back in 2017. We also talked about the chaos in the House of Representatives when Hunter Biden stopped by today. Plus, Trump's ridiculous immunity argument in the D.C. Court of Appeals and a whole lot more. Okay, meantime, don't forget to support this podcast by subscribing to us on Patreon, bobseskashow.com. And this is me talking with the inimitable Tara Dublin. More fun, more music, the Bob Seska Show. One thing I always forget Tara is you were friends with Chez. Yeah. And you know what? I, and I think that's kind of how we ended up getting to know each other. It was through Chez. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. What a delight 
full human yeah. that we miss constantly. Mm-hmm. I always think about uh, how he would have reacted to some of the events happening right now in politics. Oh, my God. I mean, he would. Well, first of all, I think that the three of us would be like, Maybe we would have a television network by now or something. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. That'd it would be, great. be like, he would be like network. He'd be screaming. Yeah. Like, I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to throw your televisions out the window. What the fuck is going on? You know, he would be, he would be one of the loudest voices along with ours. Right. He would still be raging against this machine and he would be astonished as I think a lot of us are that the Trumpism continued even after he left office you know that and and, you know he would be with 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 me be like why isn't biden good enough for everybody look at the amazing job he's doing look how (laughs) you could because it's normally you know the the demeanor of the president normally sets the tone for the country you know if the president is running things and everybody's cool everybody's great and we also before trump didn't worry about watching the president every second of every day you know we were confident that the president was doing his job and that we can go about our daily lives and not be worried about is he is he gonna hit the button because he has a bad feeling you know so so Chez's voice is, is would would have been so very important during the 2020 election and I mean if he had been around during you know the end of the 20 you know the 2016 election cycle to see what what they did to Hillary and how I believe to this day that they stole the election from her um, I mean, his voice is just so vital and just so and so missed. Yeah. Because of his unique perspective and the way he could just cut through mm-hmm. all of the bullshit and get to the heart of the matter. And so, yeah. I tr- I think that you you know you do it and Kimberly does it and I do it. Anybody who is even remotely connected, we took inspiration from the way he attacked politics Absolutely. and continue to do it in that way. Yeah, yeah. And for those of you who are just new to the show, Chez was my co-host for many, many years on this podcast. But yeah, Tara, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is that my memory of Chez is starting to, I don't know, merge with other things. Like, here's an example. Every time I see a clip or stumble onto an episode of No Reservations on streaming, I start to merge Bourdain and Chez. And sometimes I'll think of something that I'm not quite sure if it was Chez or Anthony Bourdain who said it. And it's just this weird thing that's happening in my head as the years go on and on and and we uh, get further and further away from uh, when Chez died in 2017. I I don't know if that happens to you, but there's this weird memory merge happening. And and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It seems like a bad thing. Well, I mean, there are worse people you could merge him with, right? That's, and that's true. That, yeah. that makes sense. I mean, they mm-hmm. both had that powerfully sexy energy about them. Yeah. yeah. And they always drew people to them. They were magnets because they were magnetic people. They were larger than life, these amazing personalities. Yeah. Charismatic, and, um, beyond belief. Very, very. They had Riz before we called it Riz. And. <laughs> incredibly sexy, powerful men that I was very attracted to but for various reasons. And even though, you know, Chez was a, a taken, he had a partner in life and was not available in that way. The way he shone his light on you when he was focused on you made you feel very seen. 
And I think Anthony Bourdain did that in the same way because he went places that people never really thought to go. And then he, he let you know how cool they were. Yeah. Right? Like, right. And so Ches, I think Ches did the same thing. And I don't know if I ever told you this story, but the night before I found out Ches died, I had a dream about him. Oh my God. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, that sometimes has happened to me. It didn't happen with Chez, but it's happened to me in the past where I'll have a dream about someone the night before I find out that they've died. So in my dream, he showed up at my front door and he was wearing his brown leather bomber jacket and he had a backpack slung over his shoulder like an, uh, like an army knapsack uh-huh. slung over his right shoulder. And I was like, hey, what are you doing here? And he said, I just came to say goodbye. And he gave me a hug and I could like feel the leather lapel against my cheek and almost smell it. Wow. And then he was gone, like poof. And then I woke up to the news that he was dead and I was really freaked out. I mean, doubly freaked out than I normally would be because it was devastating, but that he visited me in my dreams before I woke up. So you had that dream the night that he died? Yes. Or, yeah, like the night before, before yeah, the day of, Cause he, because we didn't find out until the next day. Right. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, I found out that night, though, because I got, I'll never forget it. Uh, Kimberly and I were watching, we were watching The West Wing, and we had just finished an episode. And I looked down at my phone, and it was just loaded with text messages. Like, oh, Bob, I'm sorry about Chez. It was just a bunch of stuff like that with no real clear message in terms of what had happened to him. And then I went and sorted it out, and I discovered, oh, oh, fuck, fuck. So it was that evening. So you may have had that dream at the same, around the same time that he actually died. Very, that's, it's very possible. That's it's very crazy. possible, or when you were finding out, like, all when when it became a sad reality. Yeah. So, and I, but that also brings me some comfort because he was in the dream so alive, so real and like tactile, like I could feel him and uh, in that way that you can in lucid dreams. And it was incredible. And I, I felt, you know, after I found out the truth about him, I almost felt lucky that he came and he chose to visit me, that I had mattered enough that we were connected enough in our way that he visited me. And I hope he visited other people as well. You know, like I hope he said goodbye to all the people he wanted to say goodbye to. And if he didn't, then he found a different way to do it. So I'm sure he found a way to say goodbye to you in a way that was subtle. Maybe it was even in the fact that you were watching the West Wing. Yeah. (laughs) He would have teased me for that. Yeah. He was like, oh, there he goes again. Bob's re-watching the West Wing one more time because that's who he is. <laughs> yeah, right. he would have said right, right. that. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I we actually, we did a show together the day before he died. So that's a little mind-blowing that... Uh, I mean, yeah. And, and everything was it, fine. Everything seemed fine. I've listened course. back to that show, which I know I don't normally do, but I listened to that show. Right. Well, and you, and you mean, wouldn't know. You, had, you would have no idea that the next day that would be it. No, and I, we had no idea he had decided to go back and, and start using again, and we, we just didn't know. And yeah. he hit it so well, and it's just sad to me that you know, that he felt like he couldn't talk to us about that. And I would never have judged him. I mean, mm. when he sent me his memoir, he made it really, he kept saying over and over again, just remember, I'm not the hero of that story. 
I am not the hero of my own story. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, I said, it doesn't change any of how I feel about you. Like your brutal yeah. honesty is part of the reason why everyone is so drawn to you because you, as unsparing as you are with everyone else, you be, you start that with, with yourself. Oh and my I said, God, you know, yes. you need, Right? And I said, yeah. I said, you know, you could learn to cut yourself a little bit of slack because you're not evil. You don't do this intentionally. You don't go out to hurt people. You know, you're a reactionary like I am. And he's like, yeah, that's what it is. And he's like, I just can't not react. And I can't not do this. And I can't not do this. And he said, but it's, you know, sometimes the pain of that is just so overwhelming that I don't know how to handle it. I don't know how to live with that. And so, you know, and everybody deals with the external issues of the world in their own way. And I just, you know, I I wish that he was still here with us to go through it with us, you know, because, you know, that's how we, that's how we get through is that we lean on each other and we, we have our community. And I just hope that anybody who is listening, if you are struggling in any way, please know that you are never alone, that there are people who are out here who care and who will listen and that there is, you know, there's always a solution. And I hope, you know, and never, and always people always think, oh, I can handle this and I can handle this, but you just really never know. So, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's just one of the, it's, that's the way it's, you know, it's like what you were saying about Chez is the same thing that um, when Taylor Hawkins from Foo Fighters died and how unexpected mm-hmm. and tragic and sad that was. And I was at a bunco party and my phone started lighting up with people saying, Tara, I'm so sorry about Taylor Hawkins. And I was like, whoa, 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 what? I know how that feels like with Neil Peart from Rush. I was, that, that was me. The same <laughs> sense of loss. Yeah. That's, you know, someone who you carry in your body, who you carry in your heart, who you think is just going to be there forever. Mm-hmm. And then they're so young and they're gone in an instant and so young And you can't believe it because they were one of the most alive people you've ever known. Like Taylor Hawkins was one of the most alive people I'd ever met in my life. Super kind, super generous, so loving. And like, so one of the, and like Chez also, like just so astonished about all of the cool shit he got to do. Mm -hmm. It's like, I can't believe I'm so lucky. I can't believe this is my life. So, you know, that, that same thing. And I would love, I mean, like on a day like today, where Marjorie Taylor Greene doesn't get to show Hunter Hunter Biden's <laughs> dick on the House floor because she's so obsessed with his dick. How much fun would Chez have with Marjorie? Yeah, I, I want to get to that in a second. But yeah, Chez would have a field day with Marjorie Taylor Greene. And and here's one of my final thoughts on this uh, on the Chez topic, Tara, is the fact that for some years, and I don't know if I've ever spoken about this publicly, but for some years, and maybe there's still a remnant of it today. I kind of had resentment toward Chez because he checked out right at the beginning of all of this. And and that's not to say I'm angry or that I think less of Chez in any way. It just, it's just one of the many emotions that has occurred to me at one point or another in looking back at what happened to him and when it happened. And then uh, I started listening to and and reading about uh, what Getty Lee has said about Neil Peart's death and how when they finished their last tour in August of 2015, Neil wanted to not tour anymore and basically leave the band and they were going to end the band. And Getty Lee talks about how he had a lot of resentment about that. 
And now that Neil Peart is dead from the brain tumor, which killed him in very early in 2020, um, mm -hmm. he's been talking about that resentment. And it's made me feel a little bit better knowing that he most likely had a similar relationship with Neil Peart as I have with mm. Chez. And right. so that has offered some comfort. Uh, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I it feel It makes absolute though, sense. Yeah, yeah. Because we were like, we, we were a band of brothers. We were a team, and, and it was ironic that in the weeks leading up to Chez dying, I remember saying to Kimberly on a couple of occasions, yeah, we're going to be doing this show until we're 80. <laughs> and then three weeks later... The text messages come down, and that's the right. end of that. That's the end of the show, as it was at that point in time. Right. And, well, uh, first of all, yeah. being angry with someone for leaving well before their time, I think, is yeah. in what part? It's part of the grieving process. Yeah. And it's Thank those you. the seven stages of grief. Anger is part of the seven stages, mm -hmm. and so when someone to participate in an action that can contribute to their death aid, you have no idea. You think you can, you build up a tolerance or you have control over it. And it turns out, no, you don't. Yeah. Um, you have every right to be angry because he made a choice and that choice was a fatal one. And that's unfortunate. So yeah, I went through that too. I was like, fuck you, dude. Like, why'd you do that? Everything was going our way. All right. Finally, like we, we could have, we had a collective resistance going. We had a thing. We were going to fight together. Like, how could you leave us when we were just getting ready to get stronger and fight harder? And, you know, like, I need you. And Bob needs you. Like, we all fucking need yeah. you, dude. Yeah. We're allowed to be angry about that and sad and all of the, all of the feelings. Mm -hmm. All of the feelings that are attached to grief are difficult. And there's no one way to grieve. And there's no one, and there's no right way to grieve. And there's also... Your feelings are yours and they belong to you and therefore are valid whenever they come and however they come. And it's, it's, it's how we handle them and express them. And that, that's the only part of that that you can control. You can say, I am fucking enraged. What do I do with this? Well, in, in this rage, I'm going to carry on his work. Because if he was here, he would be angry like I am. I'm just going to rechannel this anger and I'm going to direct it at the people who actually deserve my, my anger now. The people who deserve my anger are the people who are deliberately fucking up my country. Okay, I'm good with that. That's a good way to, you know, to rechannel it because you can't hold the person responsible because they're gone. So you're left with, it's almost like you've been thrown overboard and nobody sent you a life preserver. So it's sink or swim. Yeah. And you're yeah. swimming. You got to yeah. just keep swimming, like they say in, in Finding Nemo. And all of the grief and, that you can carry, you know, you're, you are allowed to also sh ask people to share your load. Mm -hmm. this? Can you, are you, are you cool? Like, are you here with me? Because yeah. I need to, it, that, that's what your community does, right? You can mm -hmm. lean on your community in times of need, which I had to do this week. The battery in my car died unexpectedly. And I had friends who helped me. Wow. What it is. But a lot of my friends had car problems this week. The power mm. went out in Portland on Monday and my car died on Monday, and I, which was also David Bowie's birthday and yeah. my son's birthday. And I was like, I spent my day just like feeling all stretched, stressed and bunched up inside. But then I had a friend who was like, well, I got my roadside assistance. And then she's like, come over here. Uh, we'll hang out and then we'll get you a new battery. And then mm. we, we, we took care of it yesterday. And it all just like, 
You know, like you're not alone is the whole point of all of this. You are not alone in your feelings. Reach out, lean on your community because whatever you're feeling, someone else can be like, yeah, I know exactly what's going on with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And so that's the best of what social media does is connect people and help us through shitty ass times like we have lived through. But I feel like things are maybe swinging around back our way. Right. I had a conversation with Ben Cohen from The Banter, uh, which used to be The Daily Banter, the publication I write for. And we met up over Christmas, which we always do. We always get together for a lunch or whatever. And uh, Ben and I talked about starting a substack with all of Chez's blogs. Because I still have an archive of his entire website. And and so Ben's going to take all of those old Chez articles, put them in a Substack, And then what we're going to do is we're going to use all the proceeds from people who subs- subscribe to that Substack, And we're going to donate it to uh, Chez's family, his mom, his oh, dad, his daughters. Wonderful. And they're going to get that money. The idea still is in, is in its infancy. But I think that's something that we're going to do. It's about time because I've been sitting on this archive for a while now. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to make it public again. All right. Well, I mean, I think it's wonderful that you're doing that. And obviously, I will help you exalt it to the heavens when it's out. Okay. okay, good. So let's talk about, you mentioned what happened in the House of Representatives today. Uh, <laughs> Hunter, Hunter shit. Isn't it? I mean, Hunter Biden just randomly showed up and walked into the hearing room as they're talking about contempt charges, voting on contempt charges against him. Right, right. And it just exploded the whole thing. It was amazing, wasn't it? Glorious. It was glorious, because they're like, demand you show up, and he's like, okay. Like, How dare you show up? Yeah, yeah. Well, the Democrats were actually prepared to have him testify right then and there, but of course the Republicans would rather him testify behind closed doors so they can distort his answers. So they don't want him testifying live and in public. But he was ready to do that. I mean, I think if the Democrats had convinced the Republicans to do it, he would have walked up to the dais and sat down and and testified. I think he was daring them to do that. Yeah. That's why he was there. And the fact that he walked out on Marjorie was just glorious. She got all dr- she got all dressed up for her big date because she's hot for the D. And he walked right out. It was like it was like they were, like they had a like a Tinder date and she he showed up and he, he was like, You don't look like your pictures and walked right out. So he was not having it, which was great because he's like, I don't need to see another blown up picture of my dick. I know what my dick looks like, and I know that you want Brian Glenn must be hung like a fetus. Because she is so hot for Hunter Biden. Imagine being Brian Glenn and everybody already sees Marjorie leading you around on a leash with your giant fucking five head. You, he's such a beta. And then the whole world is like, the whole world's like, why is your Neanderthal slag of a girlfriend so hot for Hunter's dick? How embarrassing for Brian Glenn. They don't see it that way, but I do. I'd be like, you know, if my if my partner was constantly talking about another person, I'd be like, well, why don't you just go fuck that person? Because that's all you talk about. Just go. Just go have it, you know? <laughs> it, it's the, the obsession with Hunter Biden. Yeah. The obsession with him. It's like, what do you, he's not the anti... I mean, like, he's the anti-Don Jr. in that his father loves him. Yeah, it's jealousy. All of this is all bullying is rooted in jealousy. And the fact that they think that Hunter attacking Hunter Biden makes Donald Trump any less guilty. You want to try to distract. It's not going to work. Like there is not enough bright and shiny things in this world to distract us from what Donald Trump did. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, this is a, this is all just petty payback. I mean, let's well, face it. It's scapegoating. They're scapegoating him, and it's, it does not work. You know, and Jar- Jared Moskowitz, though, he's like, hey, you want to talk about subpoenas where people aren't showing up? Here's Jim Jordan's subpoena that he didn't show up for. Let's put that in the record. Here's Paul Gosar's. Here's yeah. this part. Here's Scott Perry's. Here- amazing. Beautiful. Jared Moskowitz's game is on point. Yeah. He was, and Jasmine Crockett. My God, she was on fire. She was like, "All of y'all were hiding on January 6th. You was afraid they were going to kill you. You were running with your gas mask." I was like, "Go, go, 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 go!" <laughs> I what I want, and I tweeted it a couple of times before you and I got on the phone, was the video of Marjorie, December twentieth, twenty twenty, walking down the steps from the White House and bragging how she's helping plot January sixth. Yeah. We have her on video bragging about it, and so. You know, uh, Maxwell Frost tweeted that they were in, in a, a brief break because she couldn't, she was being all unhinged. I'm like, well, when you gavel back in, why don't you ask her about this live on television, please? Why don't you ask her about that? This, yeah. this, the, the hearing was already off the rails. So if you're, if you're already going, ask Marjorie why she was so proud of helping to plot January 6th. And as a follow-up, ask her why she stays loyal to Donald Trump when she didn't get the pardon she was promised. Right. He's never going to reward anyone for their loyalty. When are they catching on to that? So did you see Nancy Mace? Oh yeah, no, she Yeah, said he has said Hunter has no balls and that he exemplifies Like, well, you've actually seen them. You've actually seen them blown up on the house floor. <laughs> that's right. That's how we know that's a lie. <laughs> and also, she said that uh, Hunter Biden exemplifies white privilege. He showed up because they demanded he show up. Right. Actually, he has more balls than anyone, and Marjorie has the receipts. So, mm-hmm. did you see Raskin? <laughs> Raskin was like, "Are we allowed to show porn on the house floor?" And she's like, "This isn't porn." And Raskin's like, "Well, you're the expert." <laughs> I didn't see that. Are you serious? That's amazing. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> he was like, he's like Jamie Raskin brought like a set of daggers with him to the hearing today. He was like, shoot, shoot. Shit, just knocking them out, like on target, just throwing them, throwing, just eviscerating every life. The, re- the Democrats gave away their last fuck so long ago, and they're all like, what I love is when they're like, the gentlewoman said this, or my good friends on the other side. Like, fuck all y'all, because we know what you did. Jasmine Crockett saying, it's your leader who, who uh, started this insurrection, and all of you supported him. They're just laying it out, and it's beautiful. What I want is for them to do it to Marjorie. Marjorie, why were you there at the White House before you were sworn into office? Why were you there? She won't answer me because she's afraid of me. You know that, right? She will never answer me directly. She once sicked her comms director on me when I was still writing for Hill Reporter. Not surprising. Um, Yeah. Not surprising because she doesn't like the truth that I write about her. Mm -hmm. I have left her voicemail. She won't respond to me. Um, I obviously tweet her constantly and tag her all the time. And if she wasn't afraid of me, she would respond to me, but she's afraid. And it's funny because like how many times has she challenged AOC to a debate or she wanted Jimmy Kimmel to have her on his show to talk about her quote unquote book, which we'll put a pin in that for one second. She challenges a lot of people because she knows that they're not going to actually follow through it. And so she won't have to do it, but she will never respond to me because if, 
she ever did that, she would actually have to show up to debate me and she would lose because I have the truth on my side and she has nothing. Mm. So, Hmm. you know, but her ghost written crap book that was printed by Don Jr.'s money laundering shell company winning team publishing out of Canada, out of Canada. It's a Canadian shell company. So God bless Merca. Um, her book tanked so badly that Amazon had to shut off the ability to review her book because of what people were saying about it. Wow. And they were giving her one star reviews and just dragging her to, I mean, properly. My, one of my, the, one of my favorite comments before they shut it off because her book is called MTG. Somebody's like, Hey, this book isn't about magic. The gathering. I want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> meanwhile my book the rock and roll love story the sound of settling continues to get five star amazing reviews and demands for a sequel and a streaming series and i'm just waiting for the right person to show up and sign me to a proper publishing deal get an wow. agent get a producer to option the streaming series you know who has my book right now you saw the photo but henry winkler has my book oh my god that's great so did he take a picture of himself with the book is that what you're saying Here's what happened is Henry Winkler uh, wrote a, has a memoir out called Being Henry, which is wonderful and everybody should read it. Uh-huh. And he was on a book tour and he came to Portland. He was here uh, mid-December and at Revolution Hall where I know the owner and the managers and they put me on the guest list because they're wonderful human beings. And um, I got a copy of his book from a couple, a gay couple who were there. And they lived together and they didn't meet because when you bought the ticket, you got a copy of his book and they had two tickets. So they got two books. So they gave me one of their books. And then after the show, which was delightful, Henry Winkler offered to take pictures with everybody in the audience. And it was a sold out show, which means he could have stood there for the whole all night. He would have stayed all night. Yeah, he's still and there, so isn't he? <laughs> he say. might still be. No, I checked. Yeah. He's not. Yeah, I think he made it home. But um, so, and it was sponsored by Powell's, the best bookstore in the entire world here in Portland. And so they had, you know, like, it was almost like one of those red carpet things where you stand in front of the backdrop. And so I had, I did not know if there was going to be a meet and greet opportunity. I did not know anything ahead of time, but I did bring a copy of my book with me. Just in case you never know and you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So I had it with me. And as soon as they announced that Henry was going to line up, was going to take pictures, I was out the door on the line. There were maybe 20 people ahead of me. And so I get to him and um, Henry, we've exchanged tweets and you're wonderful. And I also went to Emerson College and looked at, here's my book. And he's like, you wrote a book? And I said, well, it's self-published. He goes, hey, that's a major accomplishment. Congratulations. Good for you. You should be really proud of yourself. Nice. Like he was my Jewish uncle <laughs> and he's such a mensch and mm. we took pictures together. And so in the pictures, I'm holding his book and he's holding mine and it's fabulous. And I tweeted them and then he responded and said, and thank you so much. And here's the thing that I learned about Henry Winkler at his, at his appearance that a lot of people don't know about Henry Winkler is that he is profoundly dyslexic. Really? Profound, I had no idea. Yes. Profoundly dyslexic, but was not diagnosed until he was 34. And so for the first 34 years of his life, people thought he was stupid, thought he was lazy, 
thought he was um, above it all because he wouldn't stick to scripts. And the reason he wouldn't stick to scripts and ad lib was because, or improv was because he couldn't read it. His parents, who were German immigrants, uh, yelled at him and belittled him and verbally abused him and t- called him stupid because he didn't have good grades. Um, and so on like the third page of his book, he, say, he, he says, reading is not now, was, was never, is not now, and will never be my forte. I'm like, I'm so glad I gave him my book to read. So, <laughs> but he is a prolific author. He has a children's book series, the Hank Zipser book series for kids that my boys read when they were younger. Um, and he just has a collaborator. And mm-hmm. he like walks around a room and talks out loud and his collaborator does all of the writing and then they go back and, and edit it together, which is what he did with his memoir. So what I'm hoping, I mean, he has the book, right? And so his son Max is a producer who works with Ryan Murphy on American Horror Story. Who knows? I mean, there are people who follow me on Twitter who are producers. Hi, Todd Milliner and Sean Hayes, who have a production company called Hazy Mills. Um, <laughs> So there are people on Mark, Mark Hamill responded to a tweet. Uh, Mark Hamill wished my son a happy birthday on Monday, which was lovely because Very Mark nice. Hamill is a wonderful human being yes, who is. wishes a lot of people happy birthday on Twitter, but he wished Jack a happy birthday. And I responded with, you know, you are the bestest of the best best. And he responded with, you're not so bad yourself. And I'm taking that as the Mark Hamill seal of approval. And that means, and, and there's absolutely a part for him in the eventual streaming series that needs to happen that my readers are demanding. And I also have written about 210 pages of a sequel. So people, because people <laughs> yeah. kept saying they wanted a sequel to my book yeah. because I leave it with a real doozy of a cliffhanger. And I was really happy with the book. It's a, and for people who are listening, and thank you so much for listening so much, it is a rock and roll love story that really has nothing to do with politics. And it's all about how it's inspired by how I met Dave Grohl of Foo Fighters back in 2001. Yeah. And it's the best meet cool story and ever. And the, the long story, shortest possible version of that is it was before social media. And I was a registered member of, his, of the Foo Fighters post board. And the Foo Fighters had a secret show at the Troubadour in L.A. August of 2001. And I was right in the front. And uh, he, you know, I flew down there from Portland. He's right in the front of my first Foo Fighter show. And after the first song, Dave Grohl looked at me and said, I know who you are. And I was like, why? 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 And <laughs> how and why? why because I've had you say? followed. Why? And yeah. <laughs> why? I mean, so in 2001, if a man that you didn't know said to you, I know who you are from the internet, you'd be like, you're a fucking stalker and get away from me. But because it was Dave Grohl, it's yeah. a cool story. And now, I mean, now you can talk to Mark Hamill and Henry Winkler on Twitter, but back then you couldn't just talk to Dave Grohl on the mm-hmm. internet. I mean, you still can because he doesn't do Twitter. But I mean, I was like, but why? And I, when I met him after the show, he wouldn't explain how or why, but he did ask me to go out with him, but I couldn't because I was married and had a two-year-old. So I wrote this book about a woman who wins a contest to go see her favorite band in LA and she doesn't have a child. She's very unhappily married. And so she just uses that as a way to get away from her marriage and she's going to go off and live her life and figure out her own shit because she's in her early 30s and has plenty of time to do that. But the lead singer is like, hi. And she's like, oh my God, I love you too. And then they go off together. And then in the middle of being together, she's like, hey, wait a minute. I wasn't going to follow another man through life. So why am I following another man through life? And so I, was, I left it with sort of a cliffhanger of will she stay or will she go? Oh, I see. And my re- Good. Right? And yeah. so my readers are like, how do I, what happens? And I'm like, I don't know. What do you think happens? They're like, no, you have to write a sequel. Even my own mother was like, no, you have to. 
and my mother, my mother doesn't read everything that I write. And my mother doesn't think everything I write is fabulous, mm. but she was visiting in September and was reading it on her Kindle. And I'd get up in the morning and she'd re she'd be on her Kindle. And <laughs> this weekend morning she was here. She was like, is it bad if I keep forgetting that you wrote this? <laughs> wow. And I said, is it bad? She's like, cause it's so good. Yeah. And she was like surprised. And yeah, I wouldn't know how to take that. That seems like faint praise. It's like to a backhanded Jewish mother compliment. Yeah, like, I think so. Like, wow, you didn't screw up at all. You yeah, know, you're like normally that. more sucky than this. I don't know why this is good because normally you're awful. Normally you're but... like, normally you're like ragey and political, but this is yeah. like emotionally, like really amazing, and I'm connecting with your characters. Wow, this is really good. And so, like the last, re my most recent Amazon five star review, the headline is better than I was expecting. So, you know, it's one of those like, okay, great. I'm glad I can defy expectations. But what I need now is to get it to the next level because with all of the, I'm the only one promoting it, right? It's just me. I'm my own self-promotion machine because I'm self-published. Yeah. Since September, right before you and I got uh, started talking, I checked my stats because you can do that on Amazon Kindle. I have now sold 426 books and... Uh, on Amazon Kindle alone, over 19,000 pages of my book have been read. Hey, that's great. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, thank you. And I feel like that's a lot of numbers. Okay, back with more Tara Dublin right after these words. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out, unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath & Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Track Talks is coming your way to benefit the Hollywood Food Coalition. 
It's on January 13th and celebrities galore will be on hand. Will John wear pants? That's the operative question. Probably not. Come and watch co-host Bonnie Gordon. She's not here right now, but I can imitate her. Oh, John, you cannot! Yes, I can! Bob Seska! All-time favorites all day long! Do you really think Donald Trump is going to be the GOP's 2024 nominee with everything that he's got going on? You know what? I was going to ask you the same thing, Tara. In fact, that was one of the just handful of questions I had prepared to ask you because you really have to prepare because I can just go. I mean, I don't, there's, there's a possibility that there's a path for someone else to get the nomination other than Donald Trump. So what happens if he's removed from one or two swing state ballots before the July convention? I mean, do the Republicans nominate someone who's not even on the ballot? That would be insane. But you know what? The Republican party is insane. I mean, they continue to show us that they can't accomplish anything. Yeah. They didn't even hold Hunter Biden in contempt today. They didn't even do that. So <laughs> it's incredible. So they, that, that's These what they got together for. Idiots, yeah. They got together to hold him in contempt today. They didn't even do it. Yeah. So they continue to show how inept they are. And I would love, and by the way, there's another GOP debate tonight, and it's on CNN. And I would love to see Jake Tapper or Dana Bash ask them about the clown show from this morning and say, how can you even stand there and say that your party does anything? Your party accomplishes absolutely nothing. How do you say, how are you going to get anything done when these are your representatives? Come on now. So <clears throat> I would say that if, I know that there are non-MAGA Republicans within the party. They're there somewhere. They're just quiet. Um, those people are the ones who really need to demand better of their party. And put and and really understand that if they ever want their party to look like what it was before Donald Trump flung his loaded diaper all over the place, <laughs> seriously, he has he has ruined their uh, not just their party but our political norms are just and we just need a great big do over. But if they want to do anything to try to salvage what might be left of the GOP, their nominee should be Chris Christie. Now, I don't like Chris Christie. I grew up in New Jersey, okay? I don't like Chris Christie. I call him Governor Otis Bridgegate. Um, <laughs> Otis is not going to get his Otisburg, okay? Uh-huh. <laughs> however, however, Republicans need to look at Chris Christie because of two things that he can do that no other candidate is doing. First of all, he speaks truthfully about Donald Trump. None of them do that. Nikki Haley doesn't do it. Ron DeSantis doesn't do it. Vivek doesn't do it. I don't know who else is up there, but none of none of the other ones do it. Right. The other thing Chris Christie has on his side, despite the rest of his platform, his other takes, he does not support a six-week federal abortion ban. He does not support that. He has other whacked takes on abortion that no one should agree with, and no, the government shouldn't be deciding what anybody's medical procedures are, and that's a whole other topic for a whole other time. Chris Christie, Chris Christie is their most viable candidate because he won't embarrass them every time he opens his mouth. He won't. He will speak critically of what his party has done and not done. He will speak critically of Trump. He'll say a whole lot of bun- a bunch of bullshit about Joe Biden and he will not beat Joe Biden because Joe Biden's accomplishments are indisputable. 
His record is amazing. What he's accomplished thus far is in, no one can touch it. Mm-hmm. So it is the only way for the Republican Party to find some path to something that resembles redemption and normalcy. You get rid of Trump. Trump is the cancer. Cut out the cancer and then cut out the, um, you know, like, you know, when you when people have cancer, they have to like go into the rest of the body and find out if it's spread anywhere. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of that cancer has spread and you've removed the Luna node and you removed the Marjorie Taylor Green cancer node and the Gosar nodes, all those little cancer nodes that are in the GOP. You get rid of them. Gates, Jordan, Biggs, Bobert. And you start over. Yeah. And it's hard because Republicans don't like to work and they don't want to do anything that's difficult. Democrats are always ready to do the work. So while the Democrats are going to, and the the Republicans handed us back the House this year, that doesn't mean we don't vote. That doesn't mean we don't try. That doesn't mean we we sit back or ever complacent. But between what the the Democrats showing their strength and unity, Joe Biden's record, and the fact that the Republicans are running around with their hands, you know, it was screaming and waving that none of them, they can't even find the door to the clown car to get back inside. (laughs) Right, right. Where's the, Where's the car? It's right fucking in front of you. Yeah. Um, and, and oh, they also have to get rid of Ronna Romney because Ronna Romney promised Donald Trump she would help him overturn the 2020 election. I don't know why Ronna Romney is still walking around free like Marjorie. Yeah. But they need a new head of the RNC, like someone, and not Matt Schlapp, but someone who's a moderate Republican who was never a MAGA Republican. Someone who was never a Trumper needs to take over for Rana and they need to run Chris Christie. And even though they'll lose, they will at least be able to say, we did this, you know, here, here's something we tried. And it's okay to fail if you're actually trying. If you're not trying and you fail, you just look like a fucking idiot. So that would be my take. If anyone wants to listen to me, and by the way, you know, I might know what I'm talking about a little bit. So even though no one is paying me to talk about politics, and by the way, I will live tweet the GOP debate tonight. Someone wants to pay me to do that. Uh, so you don't have to watch it. I'm happy to do that. I, I will put my Ven My Venmo is on my Twitter. You want to drop a couple of bucks into my Twitter and I will live tweet for you tonight. I'm happy to do that. I take tips. Um, I don't think I'm wrong about this. No. So if you want something that looks like a balanced ticket, you get Chris Christie. And it's not going to be Nikki Haley should never be the VP for anybody because first of all, excuse me, Republicans are not going to vote for a brown woman when they're out there mispronouncing Kamala Harris's first name on purpose. And she doesn't know how the, she doesn't know about the Civil War. Did you see the old the old um, interview from 2010 that surfaced where she couldn't talk about the Civil War and didn't talk about slavery? So, and then now she's like, of course the Civil War was about slavery. Well, yeah, Monday morning quarterback. It's easy to talk about the test when you have all the answers now. Yeah. So. But, I mean, right now it seems like in the polling at least that Nikki Haley has a better shot of being the one who overtakes Donald Trump uh, than Chris Christie. nothing. And the added benefit. Polls mean nothing, and it's the votes that are everything. Have you ever been polled? I've never been polled. I have never been polled. No, I haven't because I don't answer the phone unless I recognize the number. I have a landline, but polls are crap. They can be paid for by anybody, and it always is a small select group, emphasis on the word select. And I I don't think it's indicative of the country at large. 
And it's not indicative of the Republican Party because they, they, they will not vote for a brown woman. I mean, maybe they would maybe they would accept her as a VP so they can say, look, we have a white guy and a brown woman, too. But their white guy needs to be Chris Christie. So not the orange menace with the loaded diaper who's like talking about magnets and things floating in the air and have people ask him how he puts on his pants. What? Nobody wants to think about yeah, your pants. No. Shut your fucking puckered orange anus face. And he's also back in court. First of all, his court calendar is ridiculous. Anybody looking at that, he don't have time. And then talking on his own behalf yesterday, he's just digging his own grave even deeper. Every time he every time he posts in all caps, he just every accusation is a confession. And it's really frustrating because we have been saying the same thing about Donald Trump since 2015. And we have been right about him all along. And we just find out worse and worse things about him to be right about. And so, uh, you know, in any other year, like, look how, look at the disgrace of the Republican Party in that George Santos is expelled from Congress but becomes a big star on Cameo. What is this fucking world we live in? He should not be getting $500 a video on Cameo. I should be getting $500 a video on Cameo because I'm not an extortionist facing 23 criminal charges in New York City, <laughs> going to Rikers after being expelled from Congress. Yeah. I did not miss, I did not misappropriate campaign funds to shoot Botox in my face and go buy fancy clothes. I mean, is anyone really paying George Santos $500 for a cameo? I mean, is that, is that actually happening? They're I mean, paying are people him doing hundreds it? of dollars. He is one of the top earners on cameo right now. It's abhorrent to me. Jesus, why? Who the fuck is paying that idiot for anything? Because people think it's funny. They think it's funny <laughs> to get George Santos to make videos saying, hey, Uncle Joe, I hope your bladder cancer gets better, or whatever it is. They think it's funny, because this is how far gone we are as a society that a disgraced, expelled congressperson becomes a fair use. There are headlines calling him an influencer, and I'm like, Fuck you. Fuck you for that. Who is he actually influencing? That's horrific. It is abnormal. And that is why people should have me writing their headlines and me telling the truth about this because the truth is what matters more than ever. I don't care how ugly it is. John Edwards was the biggest political disappointment for the Democrats in forever. He was our, he and Carrie Edwards was going to be the great hope and we were going to get out of the bush years because of Carrie Edwards. And then we found out John Edwards was a giant cheating piece of shit. Yeah. What a mess that cheating was. Cheating on your dying wife and making a love child with your mistress while your wife is undergoing chemo. But I don't know what, how, how much low you get from that, but we were like, fuck you, John Edwards. We don't know you now. Yeah. Well, I want to go back to George Santos for a second. Okay, and, great. And something interesting you said that uh, the reason why people are buying cameos from him is because they think it's funny and they think he's a, a punchline or whatever. They're not doing it because they think George Santos is a quality human being. And I wonder if George Santos understands that. My hunch is that he does. But I, I don't think, think so. there, there are so many people on social media, especially places like TikTok and Cameo and so forth, who get all their attention because people think they're assholes or people think they're silly and stupid. People think right. they're punchlines. And, and they don't care. All they no, care about is the fact that I'm getting the attention and that's, right. that's all that concerns me, that people are paying attention to me and maybe in some circumstances giving me money for that. 
But right. that's fucked up. I mean, if you're if you're up. comfortable with being, you know, a global punchline and you're building your brand on that, that's sad and pathetic to me. I don't care how much money he's raking in. It's a pathetic thing that will die off. And then for the rest of time, he'll either be forgotten or he'll just be a, a continuous source of jokes and ignominy. You know what I mean? I really hope so because I mean I've seen a couple of the clips of his videos and it seems like he is in on the joke you know he has this face like I know what I'm doing I know why you're paying me he's like hey queens hey girl you know he's like really leaning into you know and it's there are there are so many good people that like please give your money if you want to give your money to a great big queen give it to one of RuPaul's drag queen drag race contestants someone who with the talent money someone someone who somebody deserves with talent, the merit somebody, with you know merit. What I mean? yeah. somebody who hasn't committed treason against the united states perhaps yeah somebody who isn't a felon how about that and i believe that the rules with cameo are as long as you're not a convicted felon you can be on them like an expelled congressman isn't enough oh we have to wait for the conviction okay great so <laughs> and he will be he will be convicted on one, one, if not all, of the 23 charges he's facing in New York, and he will go to Rikers, and he will sit in prison. And that brings me some comfort, but at the same time, it doesn't, because when pe people are giving him their hard-earned money instead of holding on to it or using it for a better reason, it's exactly like you said. It just speaks to how this society has become like this culture of mean and that everybody just wants to write the meanest thing first and yeah. get the attention for me. Like I put out uh, on on Twitter how my battery died and I had no money and and people decided to kick me when I was down instead of oh fuck that. Instead of continue, you can just keep scrolling. You know, you're not required to comment on anything on social media. So if someone is out there and they're like, hey. I'm going through a really hard time. I don't have a job. And now I have to pay $250 to get a new car battery. People are like, well, why don't you get a fucking job at McDonald's, you liberal, you know, money grubbing government whore or whatever, mm. you know, whatever they think I am. And I'm none of those things. Do I, I have to rely on SNAP benefits right now? Yes, I do. Do I want to get off of them? More than anything. But I'm not getting any other assistance. It's just me paying my bills. I don't have a partner. So, and like I said earlier, I want to be paid for what I'm good at. And what I'm good at is what we're doing. Talking about politics, talking on, on the air. I used to be a alternative radio DJ. I would love to go back to that, mm. getting my book published. There are all kinds of ways for me to make money above board instead of, I don't know, committing felonies and then trying to get grift money from people. And yeah. how is Roger Stone still walking around for you? I have a cameo from Roger Stone that a friend of mine got me for my birthday in 2020 because my birthday was in April. Roger Stone just recently discussed uh, trying to assassinate Eric Swalwell. Did you hear about that? Yeah, assassinating yeah. your plot to assassinate your enemies. Just like there was a plot to assassinate Nancy Pelosi on January 6th. Yeah. Just like Lauren Boebert was tweeting her location on January 6th. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they and and again, I you know the the take of attacking democrats and scapegoating democrats for what donald trump did is odd to me and i often ask people why they just can't hold donald trump responsible for what he did and i said now my new take is just because someone won't take responsibility that doesn't mean you don't continue to hold them responsible right and so because it's famous right i don't take any responsibility at all well that doesn't mean you're not going to get popped for it
you know? And like, yeah. as of yesterday, he's still walking around going, I have done nothing wrong. You have done nothing right. Your entire miserable, miserable life. Not, if he, once, if he's, not one time. If he's done nothing wrong, why are his attorneys offering up ludicrous arguments before the appeals court about he's, how he's immune? That doesn't make way, any sense to me. <laughs> if, he just, if he's done nothing wrong, then immunity should never be part of the equation. But yet he's still going. See, to me, it's a tacit admission of guilt as far as I'm concerned. Where, where's your information exonerating him? Where is it? Yeah. You haven't shown it yet. Nope. And then the other thing, Didn't you said the it. word ludicrous. He, he used the word ludicrous yesterday on oh, yeah. social, but he spelled it like ludicrous the rapper. Yes, I saw that. Holy shit. Beautiful. Mm. Absolutely. Just what a fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> so this is your guy, this adult sundowning rapist traitorous criminal yeah. who can't spell the word stolen. That's your guy, Mr. Sanzibelt shiny pants loaded diaper. That's your guy, Re yeah. really? <laughs> so, and with the, oh my God. Well, the great, thing, the great thing about this is the immunity question is dead. And there's right. no way Trump's going to win on that. So that's his entire case. So it's game over as far as that goes. his lawyers. Yeah. Yeah. Alina Haba, you're not too pretty for prison, honey. You are not. She's another one that mm. I tweet. I'm like, why, why, why are you so excited to go to prison for Donald Trump when he's never going to pay your legal fees? Just ask Sidney Powell and Jenna Ellis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's going to end up just like them. She's yeah. going to end up under the bus with Sydney and Jenna and Rudy and Mike Lindell and all of them. Yeah. Donald Trump's not going to pay one penny to help them. So this this feeling that they're all going to get rewarded for their loyalty. I don't know what he has on all of these people. I don't know why anybody is afraid of him when he blocked me on Twitter in 2015 and never unblocked me. He is a giant coward. Mm. He makes other people do his dirty work for him. He what? gets other people to pay his bills. He is a grifting criminal. You know how he does that? You know how he's able to manipulate all the Republicans into supporting him? It's not just that... Yeah, it can't be because they see Donald Trump as being a winner. Because Donald Trump has lost every election he's been in. I mean, and obviously 2016 was a thing. It. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 2016, he won the Electoral College, lost the popular vote, lost in 2018, lost in 2020, lost in 2022. Obviously, there are Deliver. details around that. But the fact of the matter is that Donald Trump spent four years in the White House where he was spending all kinds of time thumbing through classified documents, FBI files on a lot lot of members of Congress, a lot of Republican lawmakers, probably Republican consultants as well. And he's, I'm sure, using that information as blackmail against these people. So they have to support him. Otherwise, all this crap that's in their FBI files is suddenly going to magically leak out on the Dan Bongino show or on Sean Hannity's Fox News show or something like that. I swear to God that, I mean, obviously... We've had some hints. Uh, Donald Trump's going through uh, an entire uh, prosecution right now because of his fast and loose relationship with classified documents. Do you mean to tell me that it stopped after the classified Like, there weren't any FBI documents he was going through prior to all of that? Of course there were. And so, and yeah. We have the video of all of it. It's the They Knew video that was put together. Um, all of his loyalists now speaking the truth about him prior to the 2016 election. Like Donald Trump is a liar and a this and a that. And you, he talks out both sides about Donald Trump says this and now they're all loyal to him. You know, look at Lindsey Graham. 
Lindsey Graham mm-hmm. absolutely got compromised on the golf course. Oh yes, he's the, the prime was one target. One of the toughest yeah. critics, right? He mm-hmm. was one of Trump's tr- toughest critics. Even after the inauguration, he was like, "I'm reserving judgment. I don't. I gotta wait and see what he does. I don't trust him. I don't know." Then he went and played golf with him, and the first thing we heard after he played golf was, "Hey, you know what? He's actually not that bad, you guys." So he, wow, I have this vision of Donald Trump casually teeing up and going, "Celine's." I saw with you and that boy. Oh, that's terrible. That'd be really bad if that got out. And then he hit the ball, missed the hole, and then went over and put the ball in the hole. And so Lindsey Graham is worried that we're going to find out he's gay. Oh, no. That'd be terrible if we found that out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I want to know what could be so bad yeah. that you're okay with treason and o- helping someone overthrow your government because you don't want people to find out what about you. What could be so bad? Cheating on your spouse that you're gay? I mean, short of murder and doing something to a non-consensual partner or an underage child. Other than that, I'm pretty good. I don't think there's a whole lot that a Republican could do that I'd be like, well, that's why you sold yourself out? Like that? You didn't pay taxes? Okay, neither did Donald Trump. Okay, you can rectify that. But again, as long as they, again, what does he have on Ted Cruz? Is Ted Cruz a murderer? It, did Ted Cruz rape somebody? Did Ted Cruz do something to an underage child? If the answer to any of those questions is no, then what does he have on Ted Cruz that is so bad that Ted Cruz can't say, hey, remember when you accused my father of killing Kennedy and you told my, said my wife was a dog? Fuck you! I'm going to Jack Smith now. What you know what's amazing? You know what's amazing? All the possible crimes that you just listed there, Donald Trump and his attorneys, I I assume it's just Donald Trump convincing his attorneys of this, but okay. They believe that Donald Trump as president could have done all of those things and been entirely immune from prosecution. That's madness. Yes, that he could have, he could have ordered SEAL Team 6 to assassinate Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris or whoever he wanted to, and it wouldn't have mattered. Because right. he has presidential immunity. That's what they were arguing. And the only way he could get prosecuted is if the Senate actually convicted him of impeachment charges. Uh, and that's the only way that the prosecution could move forward on a criminal I level. mean, the pretzels <laughs> that they Nuts. twist themselves into. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. hold Donald Trump accountable for what Donald Trump did. Because <laughs> right. it's not my fault that he did it. And it's no, it's not Joe Biden's fault. And it's not Hunter Biden's fault. When they go after Democrats for all of this stuff, I, I always want to say, who, who put the gun to Donald Trump's head and made him call Brad Raffensperger and try to bully him into finding him 11,780 votes? I can tell you right now it wasn't Democrats. Mm-hmm. Democrats didn't tell Donald Trump to call up the Secretary of State of Georgia and bully him. Nobody told Mark Meadows to go down there and harass election workers. Nobody told Rudy Giuliani to harass Ruby and Shay. Nobody told them to do it except Donald Trump. So maybe you should go back to him. Look at the, they are going after Fonnie Willis now in Georgia. They're trying to get her removed because a black woman is going to get Donald Trump thrown in prison. That's why they go after Letitia James because black women are going to end Donald Trump and it's going to be beautiful. But this is what they're doing. And when they talk, and we say it all the time, every accusation is a confession. The witch hunt is against Democrats. They're trying to find any scapegoat in a storm 
to blame this on so that Donald Trump doesn't ever get accountable because if, if he ever is convicted, one conviction, conviction trickles down to every single person who aided and abetted. And so, and that's the other reason why they, I, you know, are invested in keeping him out of prison because, and we've also known this about him all along, Donald Trump is not a take one for the team guy. He's going to take everyone down with him that he can. And the proof is Rudy Giuliani and Mike Lindell and Jenna Ellis and Sidney Powell and everybody else who is ever aligned with him. Where are they now? What has happened to them as a consequence? So look at that. Look at all of the people who have already gone to prison for Donald Trump. George Papadopoulos. Look at Mike Flynn. Look at Roger Stone. Why is he surrounded by all of these criminals? He's not, it's not because he's a good guy. You are judged by the company you keep. So, and it's the cult 45 mentality of, I can't admit that my guy did a, did a bad. It means I was like like Henry Winkler is the font. I was I was wrong. They can't say it. <laughs> they can't say the word, right? <laughs> it won't kill you. You will not turn to a pile of ashes if you were if you say you were wrong. Here, here's an example. I was wrong about Michael Avenatti. We were all wrong about Michael Avenatti. I'm still here. I'm still here. I just light, lightning did not strike me. I'm still here. It's okay. And see, and then part of the message that Donald Trump has delivered with his behavior over these last horrific years that we're, we've been essentially held emotionally hostage by him is that you can just say anything and anything and keep yelling it and yelling it and yelling it and people will believe it and it becomes the truth. And it's actually, and if, if you just keep fighting against the truth, everyone will stand with you and never hold you accountable. And it's bad to be wrong. You can't ever be wrong. I can't ever admit that I was wrong. And if Donald Trump's parents had only taught him to accept loss, like an adult. Oh, you know what? I've got some breaking news here, Tara, real quick. This is from uh, Buzz Burbank. He said, the uh, judge has ruled that Trump will not be allowed to speak during the closing arguments in his New York civil fraud trial. Oh, I'm I'm disappointed. I was hoping he could. What? Because that would have been fun. That's an amazing I mean, thing to watch. Like he hasn't dug his own grave already. Just put him in the ground yeah. next to Ivana with the, with the other stolen documents. Just put him down there in Bedminster with her. What is in there, by the way? I think they need to exhume whatever's in the ground at Bedminster. <laughs> because remember her funeral? Remember her funeral? And there's like 17 burly uh, Russian dudes bringing out her cop and they're like, oh my God, this is so heavy. She weighed like three pounds. She was like a little bird. And what is in there? What is it? It's more than just her. They need to find, and he put documents in the ground. There is so much that we're probably never going to know about him. But the fact that, and it is a missed opportunity that he can't speak on his own behalf in the closing arguments, because then that would be in the official record and it'd be legal. He'll just do it when he walks out of court. Whatever he was going to say in the courtroom, he'll go outside the courtroom. He'll do his little tiny invisible accordion performance with his little tiny hands. And so what, And so the only way it's, it's slightly better for him is that none of that will be like legally binding because he won't ha- be saying it under oath. So, but I'm, we already know what he would say. We already know. Of I didn't course. do anything wrong. Nancy Pelosi did it or what, you know, or whatever his fucking lie bullshit is. I never touched E. Jean Carroll. She loved it. What? You know, like, 
if anybody gets any takeaway from anything that we say in this entire time, if a sentence begins with the words Trump says, whatever follows is a lie. (laughs) Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. Or it's a lie to cover a lie to cover a lie to cover a lie to cover a lie while moving the goalposts and from another lie. There is no truth. And that's why he loves McDonald's. There's no food in his food. There's no truth in his truth. There's no nothing in his anything. Like he's the the epitome of the emperor with no clothes, mm. except the emperor's clo- new clothes are, you know, the shiny Bryony suit with no belt and zipper and the longest red tie in history pointing to absolutely nothing under there. So, you know. <laughs> I love it. So Tara, um, I've got a link in the description, of course, for your book. I've got Wonderful. the uh, link Thank going so to terradublinrocks.com. That and is so where can people find you on the socials? On the socials, you can find me, Tara Dublin Rocks on Twitter. It's always Twitter. It is never X. Fuck Elon Musk. He's all got drug addled, anti-Semitic, anti-apartheid, overgrown fucking baby. He's the South African Donald Trump. Wake up. Okay. Tara Dublin Rocks on Twitter. Tara Dublin Rocks on TikTok. Tara Dublin Rocks 1 on Instagram and threads. And I have a substack, taradublin.substack.com. And then taradublinrocks.com is where you get the book, The Sound Perfect. of Settling. And I hope everybody buys it. You can get it on Kindle and in paperback. And the more people that buy it and share it and help me grow the word of mouth, the better chance I have of the right yes person seeing it so that it can become the streaming series that my readers are all demanding. And uh, all, it, the glory of that is I think about the streaming series, not just for myself and like where it would get me, but the people I could employ and all of the good in the world that I could do with just whatever little bit of money I would get from publishing a book or getting a, a streaming series bought or whatever all of the good that I could do to combat all of the bad that I see in the world. That's what I would do because I think, you know, personally, I only need enough. I never, I've always said I don't need Oprah money and Oprah money would be nice. Dave Grohl money would be nice. Elon money would be nice, but I only ever need enough for me. Like I don't need a big house. It's just me and the cats. I would rather just like engage outwardly and throw money at Planned Parenthood so they could get an abortion bus to go to red states or help elect more Democrats or, you know, work towards environmental, uh, things because I'm so, so, so concerned about climate change. There's so many good things I want to do in the world that require way more money and resources than I currently have. And so that's another reason to try to pull myself up and out of the situation that was not of my crate. I didn't lay myself off from my writing jobs. I didn't implode a website. So, you know, um, hopefully if people are listening at this point, thank you so much for your generosity. I appreciate Mm -hmm. you all so, so, so much. And I think what we really need to do as Democrats is take care of each other and support each other. And remember why social media was created in the first place, which was to connect people in the best way, even though it's awful and has ruined human communication forever. There are still good people and you will find good people, people like you, Bob, you and Kimberly and our friend Hal Sparks and liberal, you know, all of the people who are connected in the, in the Suska universe and out to like our friends, <laughs> sexy liberal Stephanie and John and, and, and Carrie and all these good people yep. and the people at 11 films and I am politics girl and like all the big accounts on Twitter who are still there called to activism, vote vets, uh, 
Midas and, you know, every, everybody who is still fighting the good fight. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, serious. Yeah. We need to band together. We use the hashtag the resistance 2024. I like that hashtag. That's perfect. The resist, right. The resistance 2024, because we really are, I think, more united than ever because we really have seen what our president has done and how hard the Republicans have worked to try to make people not be aware of all of the wonderful things our president has done. And that is the thing to take away from all of this. The Republicans are killing themselves to try Mm -hmm. to distract from Joe Biden instead of trying to get anything accomplished. Right. And so Democrats deliver, Republicans remove, four more years of Biden-Harris, and then just stop electing Republicans because they don't get anything done. Nope, Band absolutely together, not. the resistance 2024. No. And the, the other good thing is if people are following you, people are following me, follow, follow those people. Go to, your, go to those accounts that you trust, like you, like Kimberly, like me, like how. Look at their followers and start following them so that we're building more of the resistance 2024. And there were, mm-hmm. it's undeniable that yep. we're a united front. And I think it is our unity that scares the Republicans the most. Yep, because we do absolutely. have a unifying, we have unifying messages. We're unified behind a candidate that we trust and we have a ticket that we are proud of and that we don't have to lie about or make shit up about or distract from. And mm-hmm. having the truth on your side is strength. Strength in numbers based in truth. And that's all we can we should be doing is fight back with the truth push back with the truth and don't get distracted because that's what they want from us tara you're amazing thank you thank you you are thank you for your generosity thank you so much for being here today i really really appreciate it we'll talk to you next time anytime bob see you next time i read your letter took me back
Ten, 